Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is over Malachi chapter 3, Things That Never Change, part 2. Malachi, if you know where Malachi is, if you go to Matthew and turn left one book, you're in Malachi. Last book of the Old Testament. And we are making our way on my, on, we're going to be chapter, chapter 3, verses 6 and through verse 12. My, in my Bible, that's the last page and a half of the whole Old Testament. So we are really close to it. And I bet you wished I would skip the whole topic of giving, which is really close to the end there too, but not going to do it. Uh, and that's where we are. Last time we were together, we were over, whew, we were uh, looking at the fact that, that God never changes. And that's where we are going to be there in verse 6, Malachi 3, 6. And uh, three particular things that we count, can count on that God that never changes about our relationship with God. And uh, one of them is the fact of God's uh, passion for purity. He's passionate about it. He's passionate about our conformity to, to the image of his son. It's his goal for us. He says, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, watch. I know what it is. Watch. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's right. So first of all, that you come to Christ, that you place your faith in God's son, that the Savior becomes your Savior. It's not enough to know that he's the Savior. That's awesome. That's the first step. But now you've got to take the second step, which is the most important one. You have to personally accept him. Have you done that? So that's God's will for you, that you accept Jesus as personal, personal Savior. But now, so what are you? You're a saved sinner, still living like the world. Well, it, now his goal for you is your sanctification, that you're clean up, that your heart changes. That, that, that the way you act and the way you think and the way you speak and the way you live in this world becomes, as it says there, sanctified, purified. Uh, what is God's will for my life? Well, I can tell you uh, most of the time when you're asking me that question, you're asking me, should I take this job? Should I date this girl? Should I, uh, I don't know, go to Whataburger or, or McDonald's? <laughs> I don't know. I would suggest to you that, that whatever that question is is something less than the statement that, Jesus, that God's making right here. It is something less important than your sanctification. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter to God. I'm not saying that God's not speaking to that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's something less. Because whatever it is, whatever happens, whatever those decisions are, the bottom line is, is your sanctification. He is looking for Christ-likeness in your life. That is his goal for you, our conformity to the image of his Son, as it says there in Romans chapter 8. So, we... Uh, we looked last time at that and the fact that God is a refiner, as it says there in the first part of uh, Malachi chapter 3. He's like a refiner of silver. So we're silver. He's refining us. What does it take to refine silver? A lot of heat. So as we said last time, and we need to understand, between where I am right now, where you are right now, and the better version of ourselves, there's a fire between here and there. You have to go through it. You have to. Not necessarily fun, but it is necessary it is necessary. There's not another way to be sanctified. There's not another way because this stuff has got to come out of my life. This stuff has got to be removed. And I'm, I'm not likely to let go of it on an easy way. So something has to pull it away from me. And believe me, the fires of life will definitely do it. The trials and tribulations definitely do. So this week, last week, looking at that, the fact that God does not change in that, his, his passion for purity. And then secondly, this week, we'll be looking at the fact that he doesn't change with regards to his blessings upon those who give. God's blessings upon those who give. We're ready here in chapter 3 of Malachi to read verses 6 through 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. doesn't. It's called his immutability, right? Like I said, though you can win trivial pursuit in the theology uh, department. 
Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. If God has a single bad day, we are toast. Toast. He doesn't change, though. He doesn't have bad days. He's consistent. He's the same. And you can read what you read about him, what he was with the Israelis, what he was in the time of Christ is the same God he is today. There is no difference. He's not changed. From the days of your father, speaking to the Jews, he says, you have turned aside from my statutes, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. That's the policy. It's that simple. We have questions, where's God in my life? Well, where are you? Where are you? Because I know what God will do. He doesn't change. It's our all, being all over the map is the problem. Return to me, I'll return to you. It's that simple. Says the Lord. For, but you say, how shall we return? He answers the question with a question, a very important one. Will a man rob God? The answer is yes, by the way, and a lack of the stupidest thing that you could ever do. People do it all the time. And it, as we're going to see, they do it all the time because they don't give back to him and they don't recognize that he owns their stuff and all those questions. But, you know, you would never think of robbing people, especially with all the cameras that we got. You know, I mean, really. You'd never think of robbing people, but, 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 so, but the camera, God sees everything. And yet we rob him? Yeah, that's what he says here. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you say, how, how we rob thee in, in, in tithes and offerings? Simple answer. You are cursed with a curse because of what you're doing. Wow. I don't need that in my life. I don't know about you. You were, rob, before you were robbing me, the whole nation, of bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Here's the remedy. So that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Like I said, the, change, the changelessness of God does not change that God blesses those who faithfully give. This is a principle stated here in multiple other places in, in, in the Bible, Old and New Testament. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. So not only is he going to pour out a blessing on you, he's also going to you know, have you ever noticed that, that, yeah, the paycheck goes up and the income goes up, but more stuff breaks? So effectively, the net, the net gain is maybe zero or less. So that's what he's saying. I'm, I'm not just going to increase your, your, what you get. I'm going to decrease the stuff that breaks, if you will, the devourer, if you will. Uh, that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Such an incredible uh, teaching here, and someone asked me if at, on my way through Malachi if I was gonna whether or not I was gonna teach on giving, and my answer was I have to, I have to. You see these verses? I mean, it's one of the largest statements in the scriptures about money and about giving, and we can't just pass over and say, oh well, that's not a highlight of Malachi. Oh yes, it indeed is, and it's not our favorite thing to talk about money because so much of it is, well, because our hearts are wrong about it, honestly. Um, let me just say this to you. If you squirm, and maybe that's the reason why you need to leave right now. I don't know if that's what you need to do. I mean, it's okay. Uh, if you squirm on the topic of giving, it's because your heart's not right. And I don't know you, and I'm not, I'm not talking about you. There he goes. No. <laughs> no. No, this boy's still here for reasons. I know. He's going to sit by Miss Irma because that's what he does. No, no. Uh, if, if you're squirming about the whole topic of giving, listen to me, it's because your heart's not right. So I really hope you'll listen. And I don't know who you are, and please don't tell me I was the person, because I don't want to know, because I don't want to aim any sermon at anybody. Please leave me without it. I'm on a have-to-know basis. Do I have to know this? Then don't tell me. Uh, uh, but, but notice, for instance, 
this whole topic of, of God blessing those who, who give uh, is not a single place in the book of Malachi. Here it is in Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Are you doing that? And he doesn't let you know how, he doesn't leave it up to you how to decide how to do that. Here's how you do it. And from the first of all your produce, so the first, so not, not, not after I paid all my bills at the end of the month, even if that is more, let me just say this to you, God doesn't care how much you give. And we're going to see why in just a minute. He's not interested in the amount that you give. He's not. He's interested in your heart. And your heart is tied to the best stuff. That's why he says, give to me first. Because I'm going to immediately know where your heart is. And if you can't give them to him first, well, like I said, we know there's something not right with your heart. So, so notice, when you do that, here's the result. Your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be overflowed with new wine. It's the same thing he says over Malachi, so that I can bless you. Let me bless you. So if I don't honor with my wealth and give to the first fruits, what happens? So we can reverse engineer this verse, can't we? So he doesn't bless me. Same thing with Malachi. I, I could pour out this blessing onto you, and I could rebuke the devourer, but I'm currently not able to because of your faithlessness towards me, robbing me, as he says here in Malachi, of tithes and offerings. Is that what you need in your life? I know I don't need that. I know I don't. So, so uh, again, it's not just an Old Testament thing. It's, it's a New Testament thing. Here's, here's Jesus in the book of Luke. Give, and it will be given to you. So if I don't give, what happens? Like, you want to put it, like I said, he's put me to the test in this, he says. This is a single place in the whole Bible that God says, put me to the test. He absolutely forbids being put to the test on any other thing. Scripture says that God is committed to your protection. So for that reason, do you go jump off a high rise? God's going to protect me. No, you're going to get to see God in about three seconds, and he's going to say, I told you not to put me to the test. On the other hand, he says the exact opposite with regards to money. Put me to the test in this. Put me to the test. You already are by not giving. You're saying, okay, it says in the scriptures that if I don't give, that you won't bless me. So guess what? He's not blessing you. There you go. He, he passed the test. See, give and it will be given to you, Jesus speaking. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for by your standard of measure. Mark that carefully. It will be measured to you in return. So if your measure is cheap, your return is cheap. If your measure is chinchy, it's going to be measured to you. Chinchy. That's what you want. You make your bed. You get to lie in it, though. That's the way it is. And again, he says, put me to the test. I want you to underscore that, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. Because like I said, not one other place in your scriptures does God allow you to put him to the test. He forbids it on all other categories, with the exception of money with the exception of giving, with the exception of finances. He will not, he says, put me to the test on this. All other subjects are taboo except for that one for him. So let's see what we can do to move ourselves toward being a faithful giver since God is faithful, since he promises to bless those who give. Let's see what we can do to move ourselves to the place where we are one of those kind of people who are faithfully given. So first and foremost, let me say this. Uh, this is not a financial issue. We're talking about money, we're talking about finances, but it's not a financial issue. That's right. It is a heart issue. How you handle your money is only a symptom of your heart. That's all it is. It's a symptom. It's not a cause. 
Money doesn't cause you to be one way or the other. If it, it's very interesting how you, some people get a windfall and they turn to this horrible, greedy person. Well, did the money make them a horrible, greedy person or did the money only reveal that they were horrible, greedy persons? Yeah, you got it. They already were. They just didn't have an option. I don't have an option to be a horrible, greedy person when I don't have any money. But now that I've got money, you get to see what I'm really like, you see. The money didn't change me. The only, money only told you what was going on in my life, which turns, turns out was not very good. It reveals what's going on in your heart. Money is tied to your heart. That's why God is interested. And hear me again. God is bent on us being holy, pure, Christ-like. That is God's goal for your life. He is not bent on you giving more money. But he knows that your heart, in many cases, is tied to what's in your wallet, so he's very interested in what's going on in your wallet. That's the reason why he's concerned about it. No other reason. When it comes to anything, especially money, your heart is the heart of the issue. Again, Jesus speaks on this topic, Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. Can't walk in two directions. Can't go this way with this one and that way with that one. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Now, why does he put wealth there? Why does he put something else? Because he knows that that's the primary competitor. Our money, our income, what we want, what we don't have, that's the primary competitor with him. He knows that. It's the primary competitor for, for, for our hearts. Uh, he knows that it's, it's the number one thing. Again, Jesus in the previous couple of verses is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a heart issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. You change the heart, you change the finances. Change the heart, you change perspective on money and on giving. The heart's corrupt, guess what? Money also will be corrupt. Heart is good, money will also be good. So we're not trying to change a... a, a a, um, I said it earlier and it was brilliant, but I can't remember it now. <laughs> a symptom, there you go. We're trying to change the cause. The heart is the cause of your problems, not your money. Not what you give and don't give. It's the heart. It's the heart. And the way we understand, listen, and handle money will have a profound effect on our life spiritually. Again, notice... First Timothy, Paul speaking to this young protege. For the love of money, notice the love of money. Here, a lot of people misquote that. Money is not the cause of evil. It's your love of it. If you don't love it, right, there won't be any evil. But because you love it, it's causing marital problems. It's causing family problems. It's causing you to steal. It's causing this. It's causing that. It's not the money. It's your heart. Your Money is inanimate. It's over here sitting in a bank, not hurting anybody. But it's when whoever gets it out of the bank and takes it and does whatever they want to, coming from their heart, you see, that's where the money, that's where you can see what's going on inside the heart. It's a heart issue and the love of it. So the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By craving it, some have wandered away from the faith, pierced themselves with many pains. Is that what you want? I don't need that in my life. I don't need it. So because our hearts are at the heart of it, what do we need to know about money? I want to give you three short things this morning. I just love when preachers say that because it's never short. I intended it to be short, but I don't know if it turned out that way because we really have to get to, we really want to make sure we, we spend some good time here at the Lord's table. 
uh, remembering the Lord and his sacrifice. And so we have these elements in front of us. And I hope you're already preparing yourself for that time. But, so I want to give you three short things here to, to just start with. And the next time we're together, we're going to finish up this whole topic of, of money and giving and finances. So, so first and foremost, we need to understand this. This is just building a basis for us. And a lot of you already know this. Some of you don't. And some of you just need a refresher. First and foremost, so that we get our hearts or get our hearts on the direction of, of being right with regards to money. Number one is we first and foremost need to know this, that none of it's ours. None of it. So we're not talking about the tithe or the offering. We're talking about all of the stuff that you think is yours ain't really yours. Never has been, never will be. It all belongs to God, not 10%, not 90 or whatever you're giving to God. I don't know. It all belongs to God. Look at this. The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Solomon, as he dedicated the temple, says this about the offerings that they brought to, to dedicate, tremendous amount of wealth that they brought to, to fund the, the cause of this temple and the worship of God. And Notice what he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this, speaking of God? Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. You're not, listen, giving God anything when you give. It's already His. All of it. Let me give you an example. You go out of town for five months. You leave me your Mercedes. I'm going to cruise the whole island all, all the time with it. Now, i got a problem with the preacher to Mercedes, frankly, I do. So I wouldn't. You leave me your Volkswagen, I'll probably cruise the island with it. So it sits in my driveway, and you tell me that when you come back into town, you're going to call me, I'm going to go to the airport and pick you up, and I'll give you your car back. So you're gone for five months, sure enough, you call me, and I go and get you, and you get in the car and say, guess what, I've got something I'm so excited about. I have a present for you. You're like, really? And I said, yep, I've got a present for you. So we drive down into my neighborhood, and we drive it to my driveway, and there's your car sitting in the, in the uh, driveway, but on top of the car is this great big red bow. And I say to you, I'm giving that to you. Out of the kindness of my heart, because I cherish our relationship, you mean so much to me that I'm giving you a Mercedes as just a commemoration of our relationship. What would you think about that? I kind of think that's, that's a little weird, isn't it? Because it already was yours, right? <laughs> How can I give you that which is already, I mean, you're still paying the note on the crazy thing, right? What would, you, would you be impressed with my giving? Like I said, it'd be just a little bit, you know, he's so crazy that he thinks it's his, and it's impressive that he thinks so much of me that he's giving me Mercedes, but still the whole thing is just weird. It's weird when you think that the stuff that's in your pocket in your bank actually belongs to you. That's a weird thing, because it does not. Never has, never will. It belongs to him. So hear me carefully. Don't ever think God is impressed by what you give, because he never is. He never. How could I be impressed with you giving me that which is already mine? It doesn't make sense. Now, listen, he is pleased when you handle his stuff correctly, and that is his goal for you. But again, he's not interested in how much you give because it's already his. And if he wanted, he'd just come and get it. So, so he's, he's testing your heart because that's the heart of the issue. It's not finances. It's not money. It's not the amounts. It doesn't mean 
doesn't mean the same thing to him as it does to you. If he, like I said, if he wanted your money, he'd come and get it. He doesn't want or need your money, but he does want your heart. Because our, our, and because our hearts are tied to our money, tied to our wallet, he's very concerned about how we handle it. So it's not about the money. It's about your heart. And the first thing your heart needs to know is that none of it's yours. None of it. In the same vein, let me say this. Allen Baptist Church does not want or need your money. That's not what this is about. We're not going to have an offering at the end of the service. The pastor's preaching on giving, and so here comes the offering place. We've already passed the offering plates, all right? You gave what you felt like I wanted you to give. We're not going to have a repeat of that. That's not what we're doing here. This is not a shakedown in any way. This is a ministry. Island Baptist Church is a ministry that is guided by and empowered by none other than the person of Jesus Christ. As God gives us grace, that's our, that's our intention. And so it is a legitimate ministry. And here's the way legitimate ministries run one of the markers of them. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. Ministry is something that we pour out. It's not something that we take in. Now, yeah, we take offerings, all that kind of stuff, but it's not about that. It's about what we want for you, not what we can get from you. And, 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 and hear me this, I mean, and it's not for this that I'm saying this, but, but our church has been blessed. The past year and a half, there's been a million and a half dollars given into the ministries of this church. That's a bunch of money, y'all. But hear me, it's not for that reason that I'm not, that we don't want anything from you. Listen, if we were rock dead poor with nothing going for us and we had no money and we have been there. There's members of this church that can tell you they had no idea how they were going to get through the month. Pay the bills, pay the pastor, because there was just nothing. And so here we are on the other side of the blessing saying the same thing hopefully we could say back in those days. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And here's what we want for you. We want Jesus for you. We want Jesus. We want you to know him as personal Savior. We want you to live a life that honors him because that is the best life there can be. Why wouldn't we want that for you? Why wouldn't we want that? We want that for you. And finances can be such a burden, such a disaster because of our greed and our selfishness and our jealousy. Finances, on the other hand, can be a blessing in such an incredible way that the money buys things that money cannot buy. Why wouldn't we want that blessing for you, you see? We want that for you. That's when we talk about finances. That's why we talk about them. So it's not the money, but it's the heart that revealed through the money that's the determining factor. So again, tell your heart, it's not mine, because it's not. Second thing you need to know, not only is it not yours, but it will be taken from you very soon. As a demonstration of the fact that it is not yours, you're going to lose all of it. Very soon. What do I mean by very soon? 90% of the people in this room will, will be dead in 30 years. I'm not trying to be cold and morbid to you. I'm just trying to tell you, with maybe the, hopefully the exception of these. I want to live them long and prosper. But I'm 52. 30 years, I'll be 82. My dad, dad died this summer at 86. Most of my grandparents' parents all died in the 80s. I'm thinking I'm going to be gone in 30 years, more or less. And there's others that are older. I mean, how long you plan on living? L let me ask you this question. So, so you're going to lose all of it, right? You know, when my dad passed away this summer, you know how much he left my brother and I? Would you like to know? I'm going to tell you. 
All of it. That's right. <laughs> he left all of it, from the money in the bank to the socks in his sock drawer to the accumulation of half the pens that don't work on his desk in the living room. He left all of it. Everyone always does. As they say, you can't take it with you. Job says, naked, I came from my mother's womb. Naked, I will return. You're not taking nothing. You're losing it all because it never was yours to begin with. Live appropriately. Live accordingly. Understand it. It is not yours. So, so I want you to repeat a little mantra with me. You ready? Repeat after me. It's not mine. And soon it will all be taken away from me. Let's do the third thing, and then we're going to be done. Number three, so it's not mine. It will soon all be taken away from me. Number three, we will have to give an account for how we used it. You will. The audit is coming. It was never yours. The one who owns it is going to round it up, and he's going to say to you, how did you use it? How did you spend it? Here's, here's Proverbs, well, we didn't get this. Cast a glance at riches, here's how fast it goes. They, they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Wow. So that's how fast it goes, and then this is your accountability. As surely as I live, says the Lord. Why does he take an oath like that? As surely as I live. So you've been out all day playing in the yard, and you come home, and the first thing your dad does, stand up sternly and says, as surely as I live. Is this going to be a good thing? Is it going to be a bad thing? <laughs> Is he, is he serious, or is this kind of one of those lazy, easy days? I'm thinking he's pretty serious. I'm thinking he is. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. You got a knee? I have two. Every tongue will, both of them are going to bow. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us, how many of us? will give an account of ourselves to God, says Paul. He's a Christian, right? He's speaking to Christians. He's not talking about paying for sin. Jesus has already done that. He's talking about a life that I've lived now past Christ, accepting Christ as Savior, being sanctified in that life, God giving me things, God giving me opportunities, God giving me money. I'm going to have to account for that stuff. It's over and over again in the Scriptures. I'm going to have to account for that stuff. So here's, get used to these questions because you're going to be answering them someday. So I gave you X number of years. What did you do with them? So, so I gave you X number of opportunities. How did you handle them? I gave you X number of dollars. What did you do with them? Like I said, get used to those questions. So again, let's repeat our mantra and add the one more thing to it. Repeat after me. It's not mine. Soon it will all be taken away from me. And I will have to be accountable for all of it. So very true. So very true. Again, again, just like I said, we need to end and not go to our next point. But again, I want to reemphasize what we've, what we've already said this morning. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. We want a life, a life that you live to be blessed by God, to honor God. We, we want Jesus for you, and the only way you can have Jesus is by placing your faith in him. You can't pay enough to get Jesus. We want heaven for you. We want eternal life for you. You can't buy that. Jesus says it very clearly here, Mark 8. 
What good is it if someone gains a whole world and yet forfeits his soul? How are you at gaining the whole world? You're a couple of dollars shy of that? Even if you got all that, even if you gave it to him, still wouldn't be enough to pay for your soul. And what, what, and what can anyone give in exchange for his soul? The answer is nothing. You don't have enough and there's not enough. There's not enough. Jesus paid a price on a cross to pay for your sins, to buy your way in, a price you couldn't pay, a, 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 a price you couldn't earn. He earned that for you. He offers it to you free, but you have to place your faith in him. Have you done that? It's not enough to know that Jesus is the Savior. That's awesome. That's the first step. But you've got to take the second step. You have to personally accept him. Have you done that? Have you confessed him as Savior over your life? Jesus, I trust you as Savior to me. Have you done that? There has to be that personal encounter. Again, we don't want anything from you. We really want something for you. There's no other name given under heaven to men by which we must be saved. You can't save yourself. Again, it's, it's a heart issue. Will you trust him? Believe in him in your heart. And I ask you please to bow your heads, close your eyes with me as we come to a conclusion this morning and asking you to analyze your life based upon the word of God. God is interested in your money only because, only because your heart's tied to it. And your money is just a symptom of what's really going on in your heart. Have you forgotten? Maybe you didn't know. None of it's yours. You're going to lose all of it. And you're going to have to answer for what you did with it. As surely as I live, declares the Lord. Lord God, I thank you that you don't want anything from us, that you want something for us. You want everlasting life for us. How could we miss that? Since you sent your one and only son, Jesus, yeah, he lived a righteous life and committed some great uh, miracles, but ultimately he died for us because that's what you wanted for us, forgiveness. And so he sacrificed himself in our place. He took our place so that we wouldn't have to pay for our own sins. He paid for them so that we could be forgiven by you. God, I thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you that you want for us a faithful life that can be blessed, that can be a conduit of blessings to others. And Lord, that's what we want here. God, I pray you'd forgive us for any ulterior motives. I pray you'd forgive us and realign us constantly, God. We have to have that because money can be such a distraction for us, such a, such, such a, such a thing that, that stirs up wrong things in our hearts. God, I pray that you would again set us on the right path and that you'd be glorified as you work out the image of your Son in us. Thank you so much, Lord, for hearing us, for speaking to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.